Nelson. I'm a retired elder in the Organizational Annual Conference, and my home church is over in Beaverton at Christ United Methodist Church, and um, and out about doing many other things. I was telling someone that next week I'll actually not be uh, at church again because I will be up at Subtle Lake at our United Methodist camp helping out in the kitchen for a, a weekend group that will be there. So um, I kind of wander around. <laughs> what a familiar text we heard this morning. I'm wondering if some of you may even inadvertently kind of tuned it out it was being read. You know, I know that story and my mind wanders off onto something else. We know what God requires of us, just as this religious expert knew. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to this command as it is written in the message translation. That you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence. And that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. So this legal expert, lawyer, religious scholar, depending on which translation you're reading, what what he's named as. This man who has studied religious law and knows what the Old Testament text says and what Jesus says offers Jesus a challenge. And who is my neighbor? And Jesus responds with a story. He could have given that legal expert a whole list of things that would tell, identify neighbor, but instead Jesus used his own way of teaching by telling a story. Who is my neighbor? Let's start with the people in your own neighborhood. Do you know who lives on either side of you? Across the street or down the hall from you? As you think about those questions, I want to tell you a story. It is the story of Lori, a person who finds herself in a hospital bed one day. The woman in the bed next to her was elderly, hard of hearing, and spoke in a language that was not familiar to Lori. So Lori's recovery time was either very noisy or very quiet, depending on whether or not this other woman was awake or asleep. A few times, the woman's son waved a greeting to Lori as he was coming or going. And then one evening, he stopped and asked if he could visit with Lori. He asked how she was doing, and the two compared some notes on health matters. He offered encouragement, sympathy, and spoke gently about God's love for Lori and God's intentions that Lori be well. Now, Lori was kind of surprised at this God talk between strangers and wondered to herself about this man's faith story. But as she built up the courage to ask him about his faith, he was already preparing to leave. I'll pray for you, he assured her as he stood to leave. And then he was gone. The next morning he returned as Lori was waiting for her family to pick her up. He wished her well and again assured her that he would be praying for her. And then he leaned closer and confided quietly. You know, in this life, we learn satisfaction 
how do we do that? We don't look at the one who has more and envy that person. We look at the person who has nothing and know that we have enough. You will be fine. Our gracious God will see to that. God, who has 99 names, excellent, marvelous, powerful. I am a Muslim. Did you know? In that moment, Lori was startled to notice that she hadn't had time to put in front of her any of the filters that she maybe had that said Muslim. In that split second of realization, she wondered about the rightness of so many things. Might one share faith with a person of a different faith? Might the prayers of a person of another faith actually work? These and a dozen other thoughts raced through her mind as she calmly replied to this man, No, I, I didn't realize. In truth, she had wondered earlier about his background. Their language and skin colors were obvious, but Lori tried to avoid stereotypes and had only wondered about this man's life story, his journey, his family. She wondered if he had begun his conversation by sharing his faith name, by telling her that he was Muslim, how differently might she have heard all else that followed? And Lori recognized how even in her own life, which, which she had hoped was mostly free of racism, the judgment still built barriers of fear and mistrust and made her see a caricature, not a human being, when she heard certain words. Yet here was this person right in front of her, uninvited but welcome, offering care and concern with no strings attached, except for the bond of prayer. And Lori thought to herself, she was blessed indeed to receive the healing offered by this good Samaritan. Who are your neighbors? The neighbors who live near you. Would you allow those neighbors to be good Samaritans in your life? Would you be willing to be a good Samaritan to them? All of them? Would there be some for whom you would find it more difficult? As Jesus finished telling his story, he asked the lawyer, which of these three do you think was a, neighbor, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. The lawyer was not even able to name the one who had shown mercy as the Samaritans. Because Samaritans in the time of Jesus were deeply despised. They were considered racially impure, flawed in their religious understanding and unclean. Remember the words I read to you earlier from the message translation. The religious scholar telling Jesus what is written in the law. That you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. We are to let God's love take over every part of our lives, our passion, our prayer, our muscle, 
and our intelligence. Jesus responds to the lawyer and to each one of us. Do it and you'll live. Perhaps the people that live around you are easy neighbors to love. What if you go beyond your own neighborhood? Or what if you go for a walk around your neighborhood and notice some things or people that you haven't noticed before? There are plenty of neighbors in our world that are invisible to us. People we don't even notice or choose not to notice because we are uncomfortable around them. There is this plexiglass wall that we build to create a barrier that separates us from the marginalized and the poor. We don't see that wall, but it exists. And because of it, we don't really see the marginalized either. Yet they are our neighbors. We keep them at a distance. Don't get too close. Don't really engage with them. We have to pay attention to the filters through which we view the world. And we all have filters, many of them unconscious thoughts and actions. Where are the places that we are not seeing our neighbors? Those neighbors that exist beyond the street or hallway in which we live. Who is our neighbor? And what will loving our neighbor mean in our own lives? When we hear this familiar story about the Good Samaritan, we usually think of the three men who walk down the road. Even though it's called the story of the Good Samaritan, we consider all three of these people. Jesus asks the religious expert who has been a neighbor to the man who was robbed and beaten. So we focus our answer to that, uh, we focus all of our attention to the answer to that question. But I want us to think for a moment this morning about the man who is lying at the side of the road, the one who has been beaten and robbed. We are told nothing about him except that he has been beaten and robbed. He has been traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And in the context of the surrounding stories in Luke, we can assume that he is a Jew. Is he aware of others that are walking down this road? Does he see the priest coming and think to himself that he is about to get some help? We also aren't told why the priest doesn't stop to help. There is speculation that helping this injured man will make him unclean, dealing with someone who is bloody and, and, and unclean himself at this moment. There's also some risk stopping along this dangerous road that another robber might come by. But here is a man who is in need of physical help and care. Both the priest and the Levite have been trained in helping others and are expected to serve others in compassionate ways. Both see the man as they are walking down the road and cross over to the other side. Nothing can excuse their refusal to reach out. And the man lying there, if he is at all aware of what is going on, what must he be thinking? Here are two people whom he would have expected to reach out and help him. Then along comes a Samaritan, someone despised by most Jews. 
differing ethnic identities and long-standing cultural antipathy stand between the injured man and the Samaritan. What might that injured man be thinking now? How does the injured man accept the compassion of the Samaritan? Or is he wishing that this guy would just go on down the road too? The Samaritan treats the man not as an enemy, but as one dear to him, as shown in the multifaceted care that he provides. We get a whole picture of how he helps him and, and binds him up and puts him on his animal and takes him to an inn and even provides additional money for his care. His exemplary deeds, born from compassion, demonstrate the lengths to which love goes. Authentic love does not discriminate. It creates neighborly relationships because by, it nature, by its very nature, it meets the needs of others. To be committed to love of neighbor involves a willingness to see an enemy as a benefactor, one who can offer instruction about true compassion and righteousness. A few minutes ago, I told you the story of Lori, a woman confined to a hospital bed who receives kindness from the son of the man in the next hospital bed. She doesn't know until the end of this interaction that this man is Muslim. And yet she asks herself if she would have been willing to accept his kindness and prayers if she had known that ahead of time. Who are the people from whom you might find it difficult to receive kindness and love? Who do you struggle to allow to be your neighbor? How do we answer the question that Jesus asks? Who was a neighbor? to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. What does mercy look like today? There's an old story of a wealthy family in England who took their children for a, for a weekend in the country. While they were there, the children went swimming and one of them began to drown. The other children called for help and the gardener's son, where they were staying, jumped into the water and saved the child. Afterwards, the grateful parents asked what they might do to show their appreciation. And the gardener told them that his son wanted to become a doctor, and he would be grateful for any help that they might provide for his education. And the wealthy family gladly paid for the gardener's son's education. Many years later, Prime Minister Winston Churchill was stricken with pneumonia, and Dr. Alexander Fleming, who had discovered penicillin, was called to help. And under Dr. Fleming's care, Churchill slowly improved and finally came back to full health. Of this incident, Churchill said, Rarely has one man owed his life twice to the same rescuer. Because you see, Dr. Fleming was the gardener's son who saved Churchill from drowning as a boy. We do not know how connected we are to each other. We are all neighbors in one way or another. Some of our neighbors live next door to us. Others are people that we never expected to meet and will never see again after one encounter. <clears throat> Others are people we will never meet, but they are still our neighbors. 
Each of our actions impacts our neighbors. When we drive our cars or turn on our air conditioners and furnaces, allow industries to flourish that use fossil fuels, we impact our neighbors around the world by increasing the carbon dioxide levels in our atmosphere. And those neighbors who are least responsible for this increase receive the most severe impact on their lives as global warming and acid rain render their fields useless and they struggle to put food on the table for their families. Or the sea level rises and their homes are swept away in torrential rains. The products we purchase at the grocery store and the clothing store, at the hardware store and the convenience store, the things that we buy online, all of the purchasing decisions we make impact our neighbors in some way. Who is our neighbor? And what will loving our neighbor mean in our lives and in the life of our neighbor? Will others know that we love God and our neighbor by our actions and our words? How do we live the gospel reality in the world today? It is not an easy task, and we can only do it with God's grace, but we can do it. It is like the story of the person who tries to save the starfish. There are two people walking down the beach and they see a number of starfish have been washed up on the shore and are in danger of dying. One of the people picks up a starfish and tosses it back into the ocean. And the other person says, you know, that's not going to make a bit of difference. You can't save all these starfish. And the first person picks up another starfish and tossing it into the water says, it made a difference to that one. None of us can love everyone, but each of us can love someone. None of us can help everyone, and sometimes we can't offer all of the help that a person needs, but we can love and help someone. Not just the people whom we find easy to love and help, but reaching out beyond our comfort zone to those who need a neighbor. And we can be intentional about opening our eyes and seeing the neighbors we do not yet know and treating them as neighbors. Many of you may know NIMBY, not in my neighborhood. We often hear the lament Something should be done about the homeless situation. Something should be done about people who don't have enough to eat. Something should be done about you fill in the blank. You know what you've heard. And when solutions are offered and suggestions made that might help marginalized people, we quickly hear NIMBY. Not in my neighborhood, from the very people who thought that something should be done to help others. Help them. But not if it means changing my way of life, upsetting my world. Let it happen somewhere else. What does the Lord require of us? That you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence. And that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. We may not declare NIMBY aloud. 
We may even be working to create more inclusive neighborhoods. But just like Lori, a woman in the hospital, we all have our filters. How does God's love change those filters? Get rid of them. Open them up to be more inclusive. Over the past few days, I have been part of the hospitality for a social justice group that actually has been, has been meeting at our house. And I finished preparing my sermon Thursday morning and people began to arrive Thursday afternoon. And we had asked people to pre-register so that because we were doing a hybrid event so that we would know who was going to be at our house and who was going to be online and we could be sure we had enough food and, and chairs for everybody to sit in as we sat down in front of our, our Zoom and in-person meeting and everything else. And one of the people who had registered as coming by Zoom showed up at our door at the last minute. And I discovered that I needed to think about my filters. Because we had planned for a certain number of people to be in person, and suddenly there was another person in, oh, okay, i got to go find another chair, and did we make enough food for this meal, and what about the next one we're doing, and how come that person needed to change their mind at the last minute? What? And, and, and pretty soon I'm thinking, I just wrote that sermon, darn it. I've got to think about my filters. Who is my neighbor? How can each of us help to bring God's presence into the lives of our neighbors? Those neighbors we know and those unknown to us. As you go about whatever is happening in your life this week, look around you and ask God where you are to find an unknown neighbor and offer mercy. May God's love open our eyes to our neighbors and allow us to show mercy, no matter who they are. Amen.